My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a tater tot. Have you previously been a tater tot? I don't think so. I feel like not only did you used to be a tater tot, but you were previously a tater tot. I don't know, but it's, it's still true. Yeah. And this is Burn Noticed. Equally true. <laughs> a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, Chris has gotten uh, increasingly less irritated by the word masterpiece in our intro, and we rate every episode of Burn Notice on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of the television masterpiece Burn Notice. The thing is, I can either get more and more blatant with it, or I can just, like, let it die. And letting it die seems like the m- more mature thing to do. Also, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows this is your favorite show. Whatever. Also, if you want to know what complicated calculations go into those ratings that we talked about a little bit ago, listen to our intro episode, or wait till the end, where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or Bigfoot, still on that. Please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter, burnnoticedpod. That's burnnoticed with a D. So this episode, Do No Harm, aired on January 22nd, 2009. We're in 2009 now. Officially yeah. 10 years ago. Um, we're back from the winter break. And this episode was written and directed by Big Daddy Nix. This is pure, undiluted Nix that we are experiencing here. You know what's funny, Chris? So this is the first episode of Burn Notice after, like, the new year. And this will be the first episode of Burn Noticed of the new year. This is gonna. This episode is going up January 6th, 2020. So That's perfect. That's, it's We're amazing. We're kind of... We're kind of right now at this moment, like roughly in time with Burn Notice. I love it. It makes me feel closer to the show. It does. You know what makes me feel closer to the show? What's that? Getting into the weeds. (laughs) Well, no, we can't do that yet because you haven't read the 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 IMDb description. You know what gets me closer (laughs) to the show? Reading the IMDb description and then getting into the weeds. The weeds. The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is Michael has questions for Carla and he wants to know who tried to blow him up. Presumably that's one of the questions for Carla. But first, he goes after a group of medical scam artists who stole the life savings from a man trying to take care of his sick child. Now, let's get into the weeds. In the weeds. Can I say really quickly, of all the episodes of Burn Notice that I have watched so far, like, I, this one seems the most morally righteous. Yeah, that that's definitely an overriding thing of this episode. I will say, I watched this earlier today. I enjoyed this episode. I felt like it was decent, like, decently well-paced. I thought that there was some exciting stuff. I thought that there was some interesting stuff. Sam got to torture people again, which I'm always a fan of. <laughs> and but... so is he. He loves torturing people. <laughs> he so loves the thing so is that, like, about Sam is that, like, 
he seems like a really big cuddly guy who like likes food and likes fucking, food and fucking <laughs> but also really likes torture for some reason mm-hmm. it's weird oh but yeah so we pick up right where we left off uh, last week on the podcast and last couple of months ago on the TV show uh, set like Michael wakes up to see Sam like just after the explosion um, he's like pretty beat up like he, he has a very difficult time like walking and moving around and stuff like he got hit pretty hard by that explosion um, sure and Sam did. gets him into his car and they immediately get into a car chase yep um, immediately presumably from Carlos people or like someone who wants to kill him, who at this point they think is definitely Carlos people. Um, yeah, although the car chase isn't that exciting. Well, I guess it's a no, little exciting. It's fine. It's just um, very short. It's very short, and then uh, Sam's car gets all bashed up, and they have to say goodbye to it. And this isn't even the car that uh, Veronica got him, right? Because Veronica took her car back. Exactly, she, yeah. She, like, took, she took the caddy back when uh, when they broke it's up. It's just another car, like... Car. It's just that, like, Sam is a guy and guys like their cars and they get emotionally attached to them more than their wives. And well, Sam doesn't have a wife. Exactly. So he's especially emotionally attached to this car. <laughs> um, and they he has a little moment saying goodbye to his car because they have to abandon it because it is too recognizable now. Um, and so they're walking along the street and, like, Michael is, like, out of it but also hyper-aware. And he sees a guy on the street that looks like he's about to jump in front of a bus. He doesn't just look like it, Chris. He does try to jump in front of a bus. Well, he sees a guy who looks like he's about to jump in front of a bus, and then he does... That guy does jump in front of a bus. Like, before he jumps in front of said bus, Michael looks at that guy and thinks, that guy looks like a guy who's about to jump in front of a bus <laughs> with his amazing Sherlockian powers of observation. He is able to tell that this guy is about to jump in front of a bus. And so Michael saves, Michael saves this guy. Um, and I, I believe that's it for the episode, like the cold open. I remember mm-hmm. watching this episode because I, I still at this point remember watching Burn Notice. And I think I remember watching this episode and being so frustrated that this was the case of the week. That, that, that there was a case of the week. Because, like, Michael just got blown up by Carlos people. I want to know what's going on with that. And I'm like, oh, no, we're still going to do this thing. We're still going to do a case this week. I'm so mad about it. I'm still kind of annoyed about it. And so is everyone else. As this episode goes on, every single other character in the show is mad that there's a case of the week. <laughs> Although for the first time, Michael like take like insists on taking a job. Exactly. Um so yeah. And he he talks to this guy, and his name is Kenny. And he's trying to kill himself because his son needs the insurance money. And his son is, has a very, like, rare illness or something. Yeah. The, yeah. His son, uh, who we'll meet later, 
is named Jack, and he's got sick kid disease. And <laughs> and can I say this kid can act? He can. I mean, like he's he's an adorable little moppet, but he can act like decently enough. <laughs> Unlike like, other children on this show, you know yeah. who you are. Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah, but. Michael looks at Kenny and realizes that this guy is definitely going to kill himself if we leave him alone. So they take him, they go back to my, Kenny's place against Sam's objections. Cause Sam's like, we're being chased right now. Someone tried to kill you. You just got blown up. You could only kind of walk. And Michael's like, yeah, no, but we gotta, we gotta help this guy. And so, yeah, they go back to Kenny's house and we meet Jack, the sick kid. And it turns out, that Kenny can't pay for this treatment. Like, he knows that there's this treatment that he can get to help maybe cure Jack's sick kid disease. But he can't do that because he blew all his money on a on scam a treatment. Sick, for, the, yeah. for a sick kid disease. Exactly. On a scam treatment where a doctor gave the kid pet pills and painkillers and then just disappeared. Michael is so enraged by this, by the very idea of scamming the parents of sick children. I mean, in his defense, it's like the worst thing that somebody could do is like hurt children. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's bad. It's obviously bad. But like, like bad things happen all the time on this show. It's kind of like John Mulaney's bit about like iced tea. Like, like, yeah, yeah, Michael, there's like scammers, but he's, and the thing is, I feel like generally this show, like lots of like people get scammed on this show and like bad things happen on this show. And like the show says, yeah, these things are bad, but like, I've never seen the show be so angry at like the villains of the week that it has been this week because like, this is the beyond the pale thing. Sure. He's so enraged. He's going to do whatever it takes to get his money back. What I want to know is what was Michael going to do if like Kenny hadn't been scammed? Like what if like he was just like a depressed person who had, try to kill himself because he was suicidal because of a chemical imbalance in his brain. Or even if, like, he had a sick kid, but, like, he didn't lose his money, but he just doesn't have enough money because the American health care system is garbage. What would... Like, well, as, as we have established, Michael Wesson is not interested in taking down institutions. Michael Wesson subscribes to the theory of one bad actor. Yes. And that bad actor is Jeffrey Donovan. <laughs> Actually, here's what I was gonna say: is so rewatching this show, I have now that I have to like analyze it so much more fully. I think that I was giving Jeffrey Donovan a hard time for the sins of the father, uh, aka Daddy Nicks. And I feel like yeah. my, uh, that Jeffrey Donovan has better acting chops than I ever gave him credit for. Because now I that agree. I'm like really watching him, I'm like in this episode especially, it's like I. I feel something yeah. and I and I believe him. I believe that he's working really hard and he's like 
really like emotionally connected to <laughs> bathroom sign of a man, Michael Weston. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit because he usually has to be like the boring straight man of the episode. But like when he's allowed to do more than just like react to other wackier characters and when he's allowed to have like emotional beats of his own, I kind of dig it. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's all pitched a little bit too broadly in this episode, but I do lay that at the feet of big daddy Nick's who directed him. Cause there's like, yeah, Michael Weston is normally a very stoic man, but he spends most of this episode shouting. <laughs> most of it. Uh, but luckily enough for Michael, not this suicidal man has the one problem that Michael can solve. <laughs> uh, we should point out that Sam still does not like this idea. Doesn't want to help this guy. For, well, again, someone has someone has to not want to take the job, Chris. It's a burn notice episode. But the thing is that, like, I think Sam actually has a decent reason for not wanting to take the job, which is that, like, Michael maybe should go to a, a hospital for yeah, one, he is and someone hurt. is trying to kill him. Carla definitely is trying to get at him. They just got chased by someone. Yeah, his like, whole house blew up. And. Like, yeah, we could maybe not do a case of the week this week. We're a serialized show. We can have pathology episodes, Sam seems to be saying. Um, but no, Michael's like, no, we're definitely doing this case. And then, um, so Sam expresses this. Um, Michael explains that this is all he's got, whatever that means. And then, while they're talking, um, whoever was chasing them before in the car shows up again. One of Carla's goons shows up, and Michael's like, no, I'm not going to run. He makes the decision that he's not going to run anymore, and he's going to, like, he grabs, like, a piece of, like, concrete and, like, smashes the window of, like, the car that was chasing him and just be like, yeah, I'm coming. And gets I, I do co- like when Michael gets so over it that he's just like, he knows he's going to go with whoever is trying to get him to go to a location, but he's going to do it in like the most like impetuous way possible. It's like, yeah. I'm going to break your car, but also open the door. I'll get in. I like how Michael at this point is like so done with Carla's stuff that he's like, you know, she might kill me. But I got to go do this because I'm so tired, which is like a good beat to have. It feels weird, though, when he's just promised this guy that he's going to get his like help his sick kid. Yeah. Like, I sure hope he doesn't get killed by Carla because he's already promised this dad that he's going to help save his sick kid. I mean, maybe he's surmised because they've been chased but not shot at. That, like, maybe there is a conversation to be had rather than just, you know, going to his death. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. I mean, he's right. And that's, like, a decent bet. But, like, there's also a, like, pretty even chance that Carla is going to kill him. I mean, yes, based on the information we have right now. But Michael is so over it and he's just so tired. Please leave me alone. Fine, I'll come into your car. Yeah. 
So Michael is like uh, blindfolded, head in a sack, taking a Carla. And Carla seems very anxious. Like she's not her usual like very snarky, like better than you self. She's very worried. She says that the mission was compromised and she thinks that Michael was involved. And then Michael gets angrier than I've ever seen him and like says he's not involved and demands that they get Nate out of jail and give him his life back. I do like, again, the acting in the scene is a little too much. He's at like a 12, they need him at a 10. But like, I do really like his performance. Yeah, I thought his performance was really moving in this scene. It was like, it was a lot, but it was really contained in a way that like, I feel like he has honed over the past season and a half. Like, like emotional Michael Weston last season would have been a lot shoutier, but this Michael Weston is just like, he's so done. And he's just like, he internalizes it in a really intense way. I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable to watch. It was fun. Uh, I uh, didn't also... really feel his like frustration at that. Like, but like, yeah, he, for sure, he did really sit, genuinely feel like he just wants all this to be over. But yeah, something else he says in this scene is he's like, as flattered as I am that you think I'm like that clever, I didn't blow myself up on your behalf. He's like that. What that? What I didn't blow myself up for you. Yeah. Like, excuse you. Yeah, but yeah. And so Carla is maintaining that, like, they did not try to kill uh, Michael and that someone else is trying to fuck up their operation. So now there is another third actor in this situation. Anyway, uh, back at Michael's doorless apartment, Sam uh, tells Michael that the scammers get their leads from a clinic in Coral Gables. And Michael tells Sam to pose as a patient. And he also asks Fee to analyze the chemicals from the explosion to see what kind of bomb caused it. Because I guess Fiona has a CSI kit in her house. Well, she it's because she knows about bombs. But how so, would like, she get a sample? Does she have a cotton swab and a, like, electrospectrum? What, like, how is she figuring out what's in the bomb? Well, she's using her bomb expertise. Did she just lick it and go, oh, I know She's what kind of using bomb is. her bomb expertise. <laughs> Fine. That's all there is to it. Fiona is a bomb woman. So she can, she knows about bomb things. Oh my God. So Sam goes to this clinic and then poses as someone with liver damage. And complains very loudly about, like, not being able to get treatment soon soon enough. And, like, he's just really loud about, hey, I I need stuff now. I need something now. Help me out. Can you help me out? Um, while this woman who's, like, I don't even know. She looks like a secretary or something kind of just watches. And then Sam goes and sits down in the waiting room next to Fee, who is also there. And then Fee pretends like she is scamming Sam. And then, so they go outside and then Fee pretends to sell Sam drugs. And then another guy, the enforcer for the scammers, who is named Todd? 
Even though oh he God, does I, not look like a Todd. I'm so glad you called that out. He is the least Todd-looking man I have ever seen. Yeah, like, he is not... This man is not a Todd, but apparently he is Todd. Like, the thing is that, like, right now, you're listening to this podcast and you're imagining what Todd looks like, and you're wrong. You know who Todd... You know who should have been Todd? The muscle from last week. Yeah. That was a Todd. This is not a Todd. No. Like, this guy is the muscle. And so Todd, like, goes up to Fee and then tries to get Fee to, like, stay out of their turf. At which point, Michael shows up as Fee's drug pimp. I think I think Michael is her enforcer. The, okay, this is a, one of the things about this scene versus like later. Like later, they kind of set up Fee as the boss of this operation, but that seems like an audible. Like it feels. I I never got the sense that Michael was supposed to be like just like a. It's weird. I don't know. All of this is incredibly unnecessary. The levels. Of, like, subterfuge that are going on in this scene seem... It's a spy show, Chris! Pointless. I don't, like, I've never gotten a good explanation. There's no explanation of why they can't just, like, meet the scammers and, like... I don't, like, it was really... It just seems needlessly over the top, especially since Michael just knocks out Todd and puts him in his trunk. Because... He hates Todd so much because he's involved with scamming children. And thus, Todd deserves to be treated with contempt. Like all Todds should be. Yes, of course. Um, so they take Todd, they throw him in the trunk, and then Sam and Michael set up a warehouse interrogation room like they do. Meanwhile, they have Todd in a garbage can because Michael thinks he is human garbage. He even kicks the garbage can at one point for no other reason but just to be mean to Todd. Because they hate these scammers so much. These scammers are human scum. Yeah, I buy that. Anyway, so they set up their interrogation room and then Michael goes back and tells Kenny to call the treatment center because he is gonna get that money back. Um, and Kenny's like, are you sure you have the money now? He's like, no, but I'm gonna get it back. Like, it's gonna happen. So you go, you go now, you go get, you go call them. And Kenny says, like, he's gonna go do that, but he needs someone to watch Jack, his child, the Moppet. (laughs) And so Michael racks his brain to figure out who does he know that is the most suited to caring for and raising children. And then he goes to Madeline instead. (laughs) Madeline is reasonably upset that Michael is doing a job while Nate is in jail. Yep. Yeah, this is the one time that, like, Madeline's, like, irritation at Michael's job totally tracks for me. Exactly. Madeline's like, no, there's a whole plot where your brother is in jail. Do that. Who cares about this plot? But she decides to be nice to the kid anyway and gives the kid, like, Michael's childhood toys to play with. Uh, and Fee also has to stay there. And just to make sure that no one blows up that house, too. 
In this scene, she also reminds the audience that Campbell still exists because she had a date with Campbell. And Michael's like, I need you to do this. And she's like, yeah, sure. But yeah, at this point, I think at some point by now, Fee has also said, hey, why are you doing this plot? And I kind of feel like this episode is Matt Nix's thesis statement. He wrote it and directed it. And like his thesis statement about case of the week television, which is that the meta plot doesn't matter. What really matters is doing cases to, to save sick kids because that's the thing that people care about. Not like, like serialized stories. Who cares? It's about this shit, which I disagree with, but respect. <laughs> Matt, Big Daddy Nix is just a simple man. He's a simple man. He likes butts and he hates <laughs> children tips. getting scammed. <laughs> anyway, so Sam interrogates Todd and explains that he wants to know about the gang's business because they're from another gang and like as another gang that's moved into the territory, they want to know what's up with the competition. Um and in this scene, in in order to intimidate Todd, he like takes a knife and like Cuts his own finger. Sam cuts his finger and then bleeds all over Todd. Yeah, he just, just like, holds it out. right over. He just holds his thumb, his bleeding thumb right over Todd's eye. And like, it's, like, kind of terrifying. And he's so yeah, calm. It's, it's hardcore. <laughs> like, it's real hardcore. Like, Todd's got, like, blood all over his face. And, and Todd immediately folds as all Todd's must. And he says that he was hired by a guy named Philip... And the bar that he hangs out at is called Teasies. I missed that. I for sure missed that. Uh, and I'm so I'm sad pretty sure he said Teasies. And it's somehow not a strip club. It just seems to be like an outdoor like bar. And it feels like Philip would love a, a strip club. Also, we now have a Todd and a Philip. Uh do we think that this is a reference to Joker director Todd Phillips? Because I don't. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. You know what? So, just just to add some controversy, I do. I do think okay. this is a reference to Joker director Todd Phillips. And exactly. I think that this and is that Matt, Matt, Matt Nix's thesis statement here is agreeing with Todd Phillips, who, who says that it's too hard to do comedy in this day and age, so you should just do drama instead. And I think Matt yeah. Nix agrees. Which is why... He doesn't do comedy. <laughs> anyway, so Michael, like, is... We get the scene of Michael just violently doing crunches because he almost died. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't, like, mean it. It's just, like, a scene of Michael violently doing crushes. Crunches, not crutches. And then he calls Kenny because he needs help finding Philip because Kenny knows what Philip looks like because Ke- Philip was the one who posed as the fake doctor. So he he takes Kenny to the bar where Philip hangs out at, Teasies. And Kenny spots Philip. And then Kenny, like everyone else, is so angry at Philip. Well, this 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 guy did play a fake doctor that stole all his money and made his kids sicker. I mean, yes. Of all of these people in this situation, Kenny Like he feels has like... the most he has yes. the most reason to do it. But like he is so angry that like 
he jumps out of the car and just runs after Philip and chases Philip and catches Philip and starts beating the shit out of Philip. And Michael, who is still, like, injured from having been blown up, is, like, too slow to catch up with him. So, like, Michael just lags behind while, like, Kenny beats the shit out of Philip. Um, and it's fine. And so they take Philip and they throw Philip and Todd in the same room. And then Sam listens in on them. And it turns out that Philip is more afraid of his lady boss than he is of Michael and Cole. So, um, cause they don't, yeah, they're both like, these guys aren't as bad as our lady boss. Which means that Michael decides that they, it's time to play who talks first. And Who Talks First is a comedy sketch about um, baseball players and their funny nicknames. And so you take these two comedians and throw them out of windows. Uh, No. Who Talks First is basically what they do is they blindfold both guys and tie them to chairs like facing windows and shoot the windows out. And then... And then pretend to throw one of them out of the window so that the other one talks. Yep, and this that, is what Sam does. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly how it goes. And this is what Sam does. Like, of course, because our guys are good guys, they don't actually kill Todd. They just throw him out of the window. But they like, ne- Our boys would never kill a Todd, Chris. No. No matter how much he deserved it. And he does. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, again... Pretty hardcore. Even though they don't kill Todd, like, they do throw him out of a window tied to a chair. Like, they kick... Sam kicks the chair out of the window. And the window has not really been fully shot out. So, like, he kicks him through a window. And then, like, with the chair. And then, like, the chair just hangs in the air. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they tape his mouth so that the other guy thinks he's dead. Exactly. And it's effective. It sure is. And so Philip tells Sam that the lady boss is named Rachel. And Sam tells Philip to set up a meeting with Rachel and say that he has, like, found some cool new gang members that should be part of their gang. And so that's what we do. Michael and Sam explain the plan to Kenny. They're going to scam Rachel. And then while they're doing this, Michael gets a call from Carla to have another meeting. And in this meeting, Carla tells him that he has a new job. He has to find the person who tried to kill him. Um, And that that is going to be the plot of the second half of this season. Yep. And Michael says, I'll do your second half season plot, but you have to get Nate out of jail first. And Carla's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want him out of jail? Like, are you positive? And he's like, my mommy would be mad at me if I didn't do it. Mother. And that's fair. Mommy. That's valid. Mommy. Speaking of mommy, Madeline gives Fee some advice at dealing with children, which is the thing that Madeline should never do. Uh, and she says, be yourself, which explains a lot of her parenting. Because um, yep. I guess Fee is bad at dealing with children or whatever. And so... Who she claims. Yeah. I've never seen that previously. Fee does seem to be the most empathetic person dealing generally when dealing with the the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently she's not good at kids. So 
uh, Fee goes up to Jack and decides to be herself, and that means picking up army men and explaining what kind of guns they have. It actually is kind of a cute scene where, like, she'll pick up an army man, she'll figure out what gun it is, and then she'll place it to have the most, like, tactically um, proficient place in the living room for, like, a siege or something. It's, It's actually kind of really cute. And then, it, like, she gets a really call cute. from Michael, and she's like, sorry, I'll call you back. We're playing Army Man right now. Yeah, that is very cute. And now, because of this, she loves Jack now. Yeah, her ovaries explode, and, and Fiona's new, like, reason for living is to have a spawn of her own. Yes. Um, so, um, she eventually does meet up with Michael, and they meet with Rachel in a hot tub so everyone can wear a swimsuit. Oh, and yeah. Oh, my gosh. Michael looks hilarious in his little swimsuit. Yeah. I And I don't know exactly if the play was always supposed to be that Fee is the boss or if they called an audible and were like, no, Fee has to be the boss because there's a lady boss. That's probably what Matt next was thinking, but then the scene got cut. Yeah. Um, And so Fee is playing the boss and Michael is being the enforcer. And so they meet in this hot tub, but then Rachel's like, I want to talk to Fee, just lady boss to lady boss. And so they walk away and then Rachel like starts going on about how she loves loves scamming the parents of children. Loves it. It's so funny. It's so funny and so awesome and so, like, cool and, like, money-making to scam the parents of sick children that are going to die. And then Fee, who just learned about how she likes children in the last (laughs) scene, gets so upset that she punches out Rachel. And then they have, like, a short bikini fight. Yes. And then she tries to, yeah, like she tries to chase Rachel, but like that doesn't work. Like Rachel escapes. Rachel is gone now. And all they, all they know about Rachel is um, what her number is and the street that she lives on, but not anything else. Um, So Michael decides that he's just going to get the money from Carla because Carla has offered him money before. And Sam thinks this is a bad idea and will not let him do it. It's like, no, once once you take money from Carla, you're definitely in forever. You're never going to get out of it. And, but Michael, like, doesn't care because he's so fucking overwhelmed and angry because he really needs to give this money to this sick kid. That he's, like, he's willing to do the worst thing, which is, like, actually take money from Carla. And Sam won't let him. And they get in an actual fist fight. They, like, start getting a, an actual punching fight that ends in the way that all fist fights must where Sam proves his honor is pure and Michael withdraws in respect. Yeah, uh, Sam, Sam has some sort of like very heroic line, like, I don't care how many times you give me a right hook, I'm not going to move from this door. You'll have to kill me, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm your friend yeah. and you can beat me up as much as you want. I don't care. I'm a crazy motherfucker. I'll use the blood to bleed all over Todd. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything is pitched... So high in this episode. Well, it's, like, it's it's the first episode back from break. Matt Nix is at the helm. Exactly. And it's just everything is suddenly 
I don't know. Is this the first one he's directed? Or did uh, he direct the last let, season finale? Uh, I don't remember him having directed before, but let me do some research. Now that we have to answer our own questions. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it is my job to look things up mid-episode. All right. While you look that up, um, Sam, Fee, and Michael all go to get drinks and strategize. Um, Because, yeah, Rachel's gone, and they don't know where she is. They just have her number and her street. And then Michael gets an idea that involves Campbell's ambulance. The cambulance, if you will. I won't. That's fair enough. Uh, And then... um, um, we don't know what the plan is exactly yet. Or gone. Yeah, no, we don't yet. Do you want the answer to the question that you asked? I want the qu- answer now. This is the first episode that Matt Nick has directed. He directs that makes five sense. total episodes of Burn Notice over the. Uh, he basically he, he averages one episode a year from 2029. 20, 20, 20, nope. 2009 to 2013. So All right. Yeah, no, it's, everything is just pitched so high. Like, Everything is so dramatic. And I, like, okay. Obviously, scamming the parents of sick children is bad. It's a very, very bad thing to do. And I am We, we can all agree the, here at Burn. We all agree that that's bad. <laughs> but, like, it's also just that everything is so shouty and pitched at such a high level that, like, it feels ridiculous. Like, I don't buy any of it. Anyway, Sam and Michael wire a cell phone to an amplifier, and that's a scene. It's, again, Sam gets to be in the sexy building thing scene instead of Fee. And it's not as sexy. Because Fee is busy um, getting an ambulance with Campbell. And so Fee and Campbell are set up in their ambulance. And then Campbell breaks up with Fee because Michael is the most important person in her life, which is true. Yep. And I would care about this if I cared about it. <laughs> They've done nothing to develop this. Yeah, and like, I mean, again, like, we, this is a, th- tonight we're recording last week's episode and this week's episode where it's a Barrios Jr. Nick's double feature. And it's all just like, they, they write things because we ought to care about them. And, like, just bank on the fact that they're saying, like, objectively sad things or objectively meaningful things. But they don't actually do the work of, like, developing those in a meaningful way because the audience can't just be expected to, like, empathize with everything you say on screen. Yeah. Just because, in theory, it's sad. Or, like, in theory, it's bad or anger-inducing or whatever. But, yeah, so now this is it for Campbell. Campbell, we hardly knew you. Um, oh, poor Campbell. Oh, poor Campbell. Anyway. Um, so they call Rachel. And so the way that the plan works is that they call Rachel. And as they're talking to Rachel on the phone, Campbell drives the ambulance down the street that they know that she lives on. And basically use a computer to figure out when the ambulance was loudest. And like... No, it's not even that. It's that the Fiona was pointing 
like a supersonic thing at the houses to see if she could pick up Michael's phone call from the houses. I thought it was going to be if they could hear the uh, shit, it would be easier. But I feel like it was di- it was different, right? They were just pointing it at the houses. It's possible. I don't know. It doesn't it was make very, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It was a very confusing sequence because like the thing they that you're describing just done the- is what I assumed. Yeah, they could have just done that because that makes sense. But no, yeah, I wasn't sure. I basically was like, ah, whatever. Computer and the like. Because otherwise, why does it have to be an ambulance? It didn't. They just needed to get rid of Campbell. But it could have been an ambulance if they did the thing that we just said. Like, I don't know what you. I don't know what you want me to do, Chris. This was ten years ago. I have no control over what Bid Daggy Nix does. Oh my god! But yeah, so um, they also during this scene pretend to kill Todd and Philip. Like, they've got Todd and Philip tied up, and um, Michael is talking um, to Rachel. Not Fee, even though Fee is supposed to be Michael's boss. Like, this is the thing. Is it, like, they set up Fee as being, like, the boss, but then still have Michael do all this stuff. Well, that's because women aren't shouldn't be allowed to talk for very long. This is a Matt Nick script. Michael has to be the talker. But then every once in a while, yeah, he like he'll do a monologue and then he'll like throw it back. But oh, but boss lady would never approve. <laughs> like he has like yeah. throwaway lines to remind us that Fee's supposed to be in exactly. charge, but like she's fully not. Yeah, which is what happens in the next scene. They like find like Rachel at her house and then tie her up and then say like she needs to stop, and like and. Fee has a gun pointed at Rachel and is like threatening to kill her. And Michael's being like, yeah, she want, she really wants to kill you unless like, cause we don't believe you're going to stop doing this. Cause this is our turf. We are awful people who scam children, not you. And so the thing that Rachel comes up with is that she'll turn herself in and then also give them money that she has in her house, which is $500,000, half a million dollars. Which is and then, twice as much money as they technically needed to get for the sick yeah, kid disease. Exactly. Um, and then Rachel looks at Michael and Michael's like, she's the boss at Fee. But no one believes that. But yeah, that Fee works. is honestly acting like the muscle of this scene. Because she's the exactly. one that's got the gun and the crazy eyes. Yeah. It's like she's Jason Bateman. None of this makes sense. I don't think people have... Any sort of understanding of how, like, these sort of teams work. But so, yeah, Rachel calls the cops on herself. They take the $500,000, and that's the end. And Michael gives Kenny all the money. At least, it's implied that Michael gives him all of the money. Like, does not keep any of that money. Nope. All of it goes, half of it is for Jack's treatment, and half of it is for his college fund. So uh, then, it's, a, it's a good start for college, but he's still got a ways to go to save up because the American education system is a nightmare scape of which we cannot escape. Just like the healthcare system. Yep. Poor Jack. Poor Jack is like stuck in both of them, <laughs> which is really damning. But like, let's true. Like, here's $250,000 to like keep you from dying. And here's another $250,000 to go to school. Christ. Oh, America's broken. But yeah, 
So Michael gives Kenny all that money, and Kenny gives Michael a picture that Jack drew of Michael and Fee together because Jack ships it so hard. <laughs> Even though Jack uh, has never seen them in the same room together, has he? Uh, or no, if he I'm has, really... it was like super brief. Yeah, we never like see Jack see them. Like presumably, like they've been meeting a lot. Like he came to the uh, apartment several times. I'm sure that they saw him at some point, but it doesn't matter. The whole point is that they belong together and fuck Campbell. No, see what I wanted, what I was even expecting, and then like I on I didn't notice that it was Matt that wrote and directed this episode um, because I don't pay attention to that when I'm not writing the notes on it. But I like my instinct was like, oh, it's gonna be a cute picture of Fiona with like a giant gun, and it's gonna be kind of like vaguely terrifying because children shouldn't be drawing giant guns, but like also kind of cute because like she made an impression. But no, of course, it had to further the bullshit romantic plot forward so that like yeah. you know. Never forget, these two have to be together, even though, of course, they're going to be together. So why do we need to talk about it all the time? Exactly. Meanwhile, Fee is sad that Campbell dumped her. And then she also gives Michael that info on the bomb that she was also working on at the same time. And it's kind of useless. I don't, like, the info that he has is that, like, they couldn't go through the door. I don't know. It's like, and so they could look at security. But, like, basically... From the information that Fee gives Michael, Michael's like, I can look at security footage. And like, yeah, obviously you could. You didn't need to know what kind of bomb was involved for that. Like the it's like, oh, they must have gone out the window because the bomb was on the door. Like, yeah. I don't think you had to CSI that. But yeah, Michael also gives her Jack's drawing of them together and a kiss on the cheek. And then Fee has, like, a moment where she kind of looks out into the distance and being like, oh, romance. And so now Michael kind of has a lead on whoever it is that, like, tried to blow him up. But, like, not really. But he kind of does. So when he comes back to his apartment and Carla is there in the kitchen-shaped area of his apartment mm-hmm. eating one of his yogurts, she asks him if he has any leads. And he says, no. <laughs> Even though he has this amazing weed. Mm-hmm. He also tells her that the, the yogurts are poison. And she's like, they're not poison. And he's like, I don't know. Do you know they're not poison? And she stops eating. And then he eats the yogurt, like takes the yogurt from her and starts eating it. And it's such a bizarre power play. And it's really just like Michael Weston is very possessive of his yogurts. Well, he is. He loves his yogurt. Yeah. And then Carla's like, I know you're lying. But I'm cool with it. Yeah, like at this point, I'm extremely confused by what the like overarching plot of this show, like this season is. Because we've already established how bad Carla's plan has been. And so for her plan to have finally been foiled makes total sense to me. Because she's been fucking careless as hell about like who she brings into the organization. Like... If it had turned out that it was Carla that blew him up and the sniper up and it was this was all just like a smoke screen for a thing she's actually doing, that would have been really cool because it finally would have explained like why Michael is involved and it's maybe there are things that he's doing that are like on the tertiary, like maybe him getting the Tunisian killed wasn't about the key card, but in fact it was about like getting that guy out of the way so that a different guy could set up shop in Miami, um, you know, or like... I don't know. I just, I, mean, I, 
I feel like it would have been a more interesting twist if it turns out that Carla had gotten her own super special sniper killed because it's like, hey, Michael, you thought you knew what was going on? Well, you fucking didn't. But no, I mean, it's just yeah. she's she's incredibly incompetent and someone else is finally taking her to task. I mean, I I get what you're saying and I kind of agree, but also like don't know if this show could have done that well. I just I'm still mad that the entire first half of this season, which was objectively a pretty good half of a season, like none of her decisions make sense. No, no, they don't. Why is Michael there? Why is Michael involved in any of this? His expertise has never been needed. All that they are doing is giving him access to bits of information that they know he's going to put together because he is Michael Weston. Yeah. No, yeah, it would make sense if they were, yeah, doing that for a reason because they need him to look into certain things. And like, yeah, that like tracks. I think the show, based on my memory, and we'll see, like, has a little bit of an X-Files problem where... There needs to be someone else always lurking behind who we see. And so you have to go, like, deeper and deeper, but, like, there's no end to it because no one's really thought that through. And it's just like, oh, now there's another, like, there was really secretly another bad person behind this the whole time. It's layers for the sake of layers. Exactly. Not, not because it actually moves a story forward. Yeah, but which is actually why I kind of like this, because instead of Carla being like, "Aha, actually, this was all according to plan," just the plan was more Byzantine and complex than you thought it was. Actually, being like, "Yeah, no, we burned you. It was us." But like, now we fucked up, and like, our plot is going to move forward. There's just so you know much I mean? potential for cool decisions, and they choose consistently not to make them. Oh, very much so. What they think is cool and what is actually cool are two totally different things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I agree. Anyway, let's do some spy tips. I can tell from the formatting that you have just fully decided that you're no longer writing the spy tips yourself. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not going to write them anymore. Uh, The effort that you're putting into this podcast that we do together, Chris, leaves quite a bit to be desired. Here's my thing about the formatting. If I change the formatting, it's for no one. It's for me. It's like, literally no one is going to see it other than you. There's not. This is not a product that we're putting out. This is a guide. But also, it's not even the formatting, because that's just a thing that I'm quietly doing in the background because I'm obsessive and I can't let it go. But also, the fact that you... Don't even write down the spy tips as they're happening and find them from a convenient list somewhere else. It just shows a real lack of dedication, a real lack of grit. You know, like, work smarter, not harder. (laughs) All right, read me the spy tips. All right. Um, Medical scammers, like pimps, drug dealers, or feral dogs, need to protect their territory. They they can't let anyone new operate there or they're asking for problems. Like a corporation as a lawyer to handle copyright infringement, a scammer will also will often have an enforcer to deal with unwanted competition. Is that like this, anything? No, I don't feel like it is. I feel like it's a lot of fluff and garbage and it's like well if there's a scam like situation probably there's also like some brawn. Like if there are brains, brawn isn't far behind. That's fair. 
I wasn't sure about that one. So fuck that one. Fuck that one. Try again. Empty commercial buildings are useful when you're looking for a place to interrogate someone. No one pays much attention to people coming and going, and the floors are typically soundproof. The last part about... of that sounds bullshit, but like I do think that that's useful. See, I was about to throw this one away, and then I thought, oh, the soundproof thing is actually useful. <laughs> I mean, why would it? Why are they typically soundproof? Well, because um, like they're commercial buildings, so like there's different businesses operating on different levels, and so like. All right, I'll you know? buy that. Yeah. Fine, I'll allow it, but you're on thin ice, Nix. Securing a room isn't about walls. A determined captive can knock through plasterboard, but he can't bite through steel bars or pry out screws for, with his fingers. Uh, though it might be fun to watch him try. <laughs> fuck because Todd. Because we love torturing and fuck Todd. Fuck Todd. Todd. Uh, is that anything? Is that you feel good yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah, I feel good about that. Especially coupled cool. with like the actual visual of them setting up this interrogation room. Yeah, there's a saying in interrogation: "Violence perceived is violence achieved." You don't want someone screaming. You want him asking questions, asking, "What is he doing with that knife?" Asking, "If he'll do that to himself, what will he do to me?" Mostly, you want him asking, "How do I make this stop?" Once again, psychological torture is totes fun. Totes fun. Totes fine. Yeah, I like that uh, they call it interrogation. Like they like a couple of episodes ago, they made like a hard stance against like torture is for sadists. What we do is interrogation, and it's like you're just doing fancy boy torture. This is still torture, <laughs> Michael. Oh, fancy boy torture is definitely a kink. <laughs> Uh, uh, but is this, this is a spy tip? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think, I think so. this is practical. All right. Speaking of interrogation, the who talks first interrogation technique originally involved taking two blindfolded prisoners up in a helicopter and tossing one out to get the other to talk. When a helicopter is not available, any tall building will do. You really don't want to kill anyone, of course. The screaming is all you need. This is also practical and also still deeply fucked up. Incredibly fucked up. Burn Notice has gotten super dark this season. Yeah. Can I say, that seems plausible. (laughs) It's a thing that actually exists. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For the truly security conscious, there's no better meeting place than a pool of water. Even if you manage to hide a bug in your swim trunks... Chlorinated water conducts electricity well enough to short out any listening device. I mean, I feel that this is obvious. And also, we've seen this before. Because remember that episode where Michael, as the hostage negotiator, goes and gets a massage during a meeting? Because, like, they wanted to make sure he's not wearing a wire. But it's, like, a different thing, though. Like, it's the same sort of basic idea, but, like... But now, it, but it, in case you were like, but I don't have any massage parlors near me, but I do have a pool. Yeah. And also, like, pointing out that the water will short out the bug. <sighs> I guess. I feel like this, right. is an, this is a no shit one, but, like, fine. I will allow it. I mean, it's definitely just an excuse to make them all wear bathing suits, but. Oh, you know. for sure. 
Using sound to determine an enemy's position is one of the oldest techniques in war, whether it's putting an ear to the ground or bouncing sonar off a submarine. If you can get your enemy on the phone, that opens up new possibilities. Hook up your cell phone to an amplifier and a computer that can analyze sound, and you have a powerful weapon if you know how to use it. How yeah, do you see, use I'm, it? No, so I'm pretty sure what happened is that the phone that he uses to call Rachel has some sort of funky thing going on, and then Fee has a super sensitive detector, and they're just driving around. Like, the ambulance was just... Uh, so Michael could say that line about, like, do you hear the ambulance coming? It's for your friends, Todd and the other guy. And then they, like, shoot him on the phone. Like, I'm pretty sure what Fee is looking for is the sound waves from Michael's call, not Michael listening for when the ambulance is louder. That's so dumb. It's Also, super is dumb. this anything? Well, he says this... enough fancy words, and we usually give him that. But yeah, but because this thing makes no sense, and because they explain it so badly, I kind of don't want to give it to them. He's definitely over, like, solving a problem. He's over-solving it, for sure. Do you think we should keep this one? You know what? No. Fuck it. Fuck this one. Yeah, fuck. Fuck this I mean, one. they've already got the spy tips they need to fulfill. And they already have enough. Yeah. Exactly. Finally. In modern warfare, a well-positioned microphone can tell you anything from where the troops are moving to where a sniper is firing from. The same basic technology will also tell you when an ambulance passes and someone talking on a cell phone. Was that... I don't know if that was a problem in the writing of the people who copied this down who was not me. Yeah, I or think it was just, that. Yeah. Anyway, See, this, it's this the same thing. This is where your cutting corners really gets us boned. Doesn't it? I don't care. I, fuck this tip. Yeah, this tip is Fuck all. Fuck all of it. Okay, so they have exactly five. So they do technically have enough practical spy tips to accommodate this ruling. Yeah. But barely. Do they solve this with spycraft over violence? Yeah. There is a lot of violence in this episode. Yeah, but it's psychological it's a- violence again. I mean, but there's also a lot of, like, beating the shit out of people. Oh, that's true. Yeah, everyone's very emotional. But, like, th- that that's always the mistake. Like, they paint all of the emotional beatings as mistakes. Like, no one ever beats someone else up and is like, yeah, that's how that should have gone down. I mean, Michael does kick that car- garbage can. But, yeah. But, like, the thing is, yeah, it's mistakes, but everyone's like, well, yeah, because these are kid scammers, so it's fine. Yeah, like they deserve it, but that was, but like that never helps them solve the no, case. Yeah. So yeah, and like they do some weird science at the end, <laughs> and like that's something. Okay, um, is there a notable alias? I don't think there is. Like he has a like he has kind of a character, but does he even have a name? No, he's, he just, just, he's just doing his crime voice. Yeah, he's just doing his general, like, New Jersey crime voice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think um, there is. I don't think that we uh, roll out or revisit a distinct alias. No. Were Fee and Sam used well? Well, Sam gets to torture people, which we know Daddy loves. He, he did bleed on another human being. <laughs> which, it's funny... I wouldn't necessarily call that peak Bruce Campbell, 
But like, it still is. But it's peak Sam. And I think that this is interesting. Yeah. We're like, I feel like this season, especially, we're starting to like, Sam is starting to take on his own personality separate from Bruce Campbell. Like Bruce Campbell is definitely still an inspiration of Sam, but I feel like Sam is also like striking out on his own for the first time. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And what about Fee? Did we use Fee well at all? Uh, she, so. uh, well, she 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 uses her bomb knowledge to like find out completely inconsequential details about the bomb in Michael's apartment. Exactly, and none of that matters. I mean, she's kind of a lady boss, but like not really. Yeah, not really. Like, she doesn't really get to do anything interesting. Like Michael, it does more interesting things in the scenes that she is also in. Yeah, so not me. Yeah, like Michael's the one that shoots like a circle of bullets around Rachel's head. Yeah. So, um, oh shit! So, yeah, is this the first Matt Nix episode that is? Well, no, because we had grim? Sam. Oh yeah, I guess we do. Oh, we got to give it to him. Yeah, now right. we—if if Sam is used well, then yeah. All then right, must have quit. You barely squeaked out a great burnout this episode. That you wrote and directed. I think I think it was the directing that was the problem. He shouldn't be allowed to direct. I mean, he definitely shouldn't be. I didn't notice anything in particular about the directing. Like, granted, I didn't know that it was Big Daddy. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. There was nothing notable. Like, you know, it like, was a pretty standard Burn Notice episode as far as Burn Notice episode goes. Like, I think for me, like, it's, like, all of the images and stuff are fine. Like, it all looks fine. They pitched it. He pitches it. So I don't think he's good at directing actors. That's probably fair because I don't think he's ever spoken to another human being in his life. No. Except uh, for Alfredo think... Barrios Jr. I'm pretty sure Alfredo and Matt just like lock themselves in a room together and they're the only people that the other one like interacts with. It's their little like they have a little treehouse. Or they write where they break burn notice seasons in their treehouse. And no girls are allowed in the treehouse. Nope. So yeah, is this a great episode of television? Absolutely not. I I enjoyed no. it more before we talked about it, uh, as always is the case. Like, I find myself enjoying your episodes more usually because it means that, like, I don't have to take notes, so I just get to watch it. And, like, I will say, there were some really good Jeffrey Donovan performances in spite of the directing that that was clearly, you know, a little overdone. But, like, I thought there were some like, really good performances in this episode. I, just I agree. I think that Matt Nix needs to learn how to write a story. No, I think, like, normally Michael is, like, so stoic that, like, and so, like, at best his performance is very, generally very subtle in a show that is not subtle. And so it just seems kind of bland. And so, like, I think Jeffrey Donovan's very happy to not be playing bland and to actually play emotions. Sure. Um and I think, like, he does have, like, he is a, a talented actor. And so he's just, like, his instincts in times where he has to be shouty, like, aren't bad. Especially, I really like the scene with, um, the first scene with Carla. Like, yeah, I think that was probably the strongest scene for me, too. Like, the I just want my life back delivery, I thought was really powerful. It was. And I think, like, that's, like, the one that's, like, the least connected to, like, the case of the week. Like, but, yeah, I definitely think, like, that scene is really good. And, but, like, 
everything is pitched that level and like um Luke, yeah he just seems to be not good at directing actors <laughs> oh so yeah just an episode of television this is um, an episode of television that also happens to be a great episode of Burn Notice. That's the second one in a week. So the last two weeks have been uh-huh. our our classic boys. Um, and once again, proving that just because you know how to write a Burn Notice episode does not know does not mean you know how to write a good episode of television. Uh-huh. All right. Um, with that, all that's left is to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You want more from them? Go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And other than that, until next week, bye. I forgot to prepare something for the outro. I have brought shame to my family.